Welcome to Side Effects, Effect versus Affect. It's hard to know the difference. At McGowan Braybender, our goal is to provoke you to think differently about employee benefits, your employees, and the status quo. That's why it's Side Effects with an A. Join me, Kenzie McEvely, and my co-host, Chief Marketing Officer, Dave Holman, as we touch on a more specialized topic for today's episode, benefits for military contractors. Our guest today is McGowan Braybender shareholder and consultant, Matt McAlpin, who has been with MB for nearly 13 years and has nearly 20 clients that are military contractors, which we believe qualifies him as today's subject matter expert. To start with the most obvious question for our listeners, what is a military contractor? In the simplest terms, a military contractor or defense contractor is a military professional who uses their experience working with the military to provide a broad range of services to private organizations and government agencies. These positions range from advisory roles to intelligence gathering to logistics and maintenance to technical services. Now to dig deeper, we wanna learn about their specific benefit offerings. What makes this group so unique? How do you develop a benefit plan for them that is attractive, but also compliant? Let's welcome Matt McAlpin to the show to learn more. Hello, everyone. Dave, thank you for joining me as my co-host. How are you? I'm doing good. Got a lot of stuff going on here at McGowan Braybender right now. Yes, we do. And we have a special guest in the podcast booth today, our very own Matt McAlpin. How are you, Matt? I'm doing great. I'm just excited to be here. I appreciate you asking me to be here. Yes, it's your first podcast episode, right? It's awesome. Very good. We're in for a treat because we have the Energizer Bunny. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If you are ever around Matt, you just, it's hard not to get amped up and excited. He radiates energy. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. So to start us off, we wanted to examine some of the industries that our clients are in and further off the military contractors that we work with. They have some very specific requirements when it comes to their benefits. And since you're our subject matter expert today, first, I wanted to learn how did you get into this? That's a great question. It really started um, a long time ago. My father is a uh, veteran of the Vietnam War. He was a helicopter pilot um, and served for two years. Um, When it was getting close to college, I had two choices, the Army or college. And Kentucky called and said, we want you to come play soccer with us. And I looked and said, okay, Army can wait. We'll do this. And so the Army was not directly my calling. Right. Uh, when I came to McGowan, I came to Dayton, Ohio, and I realized there's 17% of the Dayton economy that no one is serving. Uh, and so this is my way to say, hey, maybe I, I didn't serve directly in the military, but maybe I can serve in an outward way. Awesome. I love that. All right. So um, when looking at, at working with military contractors, uh, how are the benefits, the core benefits, similar or different? Most of them are very similar. In terms of offering medical, dental, vision, life, disability, mm-hmm. most contractors really want to have the the most robust benefit offerings humanly possible for their employees. So there's not a huge difference in what is offered, but there's a big difference in how they're offered. Okay. So can you go into a little more detail about that? Absolutely. When you look at how an employee of a defense contractor operates they're really working on a singular mission for our military. Mm -hmm. They don't recognize themselves as maybe an employee of XYZ contractor. They recognize themselves as maybe a software engineer on the F-35. 
And so what they look at is they say, here's the government benefits, here's my benefits, I need to make sure I have the most robust benefits comparatively. So really it's a competition between what the government offers, what each co- which each separate defense contractor offers, and what the employee sees every single day. So you work with both uh, military contractors and, and you have normal clients in, a, in other private sector businesses. Would you say, is it fair to say that the, the military benefits tend to be richer top to bottom Mm. or very similar depending on what type of contractor they are yes if they are a contractor that is very heavily involved with r&d or engineering their their benefits are amazing and immaculate and they want it to be the absolute top class if they are a contractor that is looking at saying, hey, we are your traditional, we're a manufacturer and we're developing products for the military, then we look more of a benchmark, ben, benchmarking side to say, what does this look like? How do you compare to other manufacturers as well as other defense contractors? Okay. And then one more question, uh, Kenzie, I apologize. For, yeah, you're stealing is, my thunder. This is, this is incredibly <laughs> interesting. Um, it, so when you look at the the people that are covered by the benefits, is there a lot of turnover because it's dependent upon a contract that you may have with um, with the branch of the government? Yes, this is actually something that's really unique in defense and dealing with co- uh, contractors and dealing with the insurance carriers. Mm-hmm. As an insurance carrier, they're looking past the, the the last three years to say what were expenses spent. What were the claims? How did that operate? Well, a lot of times, defense contractors only have contracts for three to five years. Wow. Their goal is to have those contracts for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. But in reality, sometimes those contracts fall off. Sometimes they get renewed. And it, I've seen where some of my clients, their their workforce has completely flipped and from one, one plan, plan year to another. Mm-hmm. And so we have to communicate that differently to the carrier to say, your model doesn't necessarily work. Yeah. in terms of understanding exactly how this con- contractor works. I'll give you a quick example. We have a uh, one of my clients actually puts together a report every mm-hmm. single year that we send to the carriers and say, FYI, here's who, your lo- here's who this client is, here's what they do, here's what their latest contracts have been, and here's where they're growing or where they're seeing a shift in their workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's something that the carriers look and say, this is amazing, now we have a better picture to offer something different. And it's it's something that we ask from them and they do a great job of doing it. Wow, I like that example. So what are some of the other unique challenges that they're facing when they're coming to you know offering these benefits? I think the biggest thing is culture. Mm. Um, you have contractors that they care about their employees. They really do. They, they look and say, what do our benefit offering say about our culture, which is no different than let's say McGill and Braybender a manufacturer or anything else, the hard part is the communication with that culture. And how do you know if that is your culture if you're only there for three to five years? That's hard to Correct. live in it. Correct. So they're, And that's where their goal is, how do we earn this contract and, and win this, this mission and keep it for multiple years? Yeah. But that might be a contract that is only a three-year contract, and there might be others that say, hey, we're going to be on this for in perpetuity. It just, it's always so different. So they have to look at this and say, Maybe we have a sub-portion of our population is on X contract. Another portion of our population is on a long-term contract. 
we have to communicate the same to all of them. Right. And it's it's really the feeling of belonging to say, not only are you working on a mission, but we are going to help you with every part of who you are. Mm-hmm. Do, do a lot of your, um, the, the people that are working for uh, your contractors, are they, would you say the majority of them have had some history in one of the armed forces? Yes. Or, okay. And so can that be a unique challenge for you as far as going through? I know with private sector companies, you run into situations where do I take the company plan? Do mm-hmm. I stay on the military plan? Mm-hmm. Yep. And then you've got people where the majority of them are military. So mm-hmm. like, how do you navigate through that? Like you may have 500 people at the company, but 400 of them are taken, are staying on the government plan. So do you really worry about adverse selection and things like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. And you look at this and typically if you have anywhere from 70 to 80% in a traditional benefit offering in a traditional organization, 70 to 80% of the population takes that benefit. Well, in a contractor, 50% on average are is mostly former military or retired military. And those individuals have zero interest in the benefits because they're on something called TRICARE. Ah. So what you're looking at is maybe I have, to your example, 500 employees. I only have 250 benefit-eligible employees that are going to even look at my benefits in terms of medical benefits, Mm -hmm. dental, vision, life, disability, that is all the same, but medical benefits, the key driver of what people are doing, you're only looking at 50% of the population. That's a competition I never would have imagined. I had no idea that they, I mean, I don't know, is it called competition when you're facing the benefits from the armed forces versus the ones you're offering at your company? Or are they working together? The difference is what are my secondary benefits? And, you know, we've been working so hard on the member journey. Mm-hmm. Right. So what we look at this and we've been dealing the member journey in our, with our contractors for years to say, look, we offer these really robust benefits for our our folks that aren't retired military. Mm-hmm. What are we doing for those that are retired military? And their big question is, what are you doing for me? And that's when we all all of a sudden realize you have organizations that focus on their culture of what do we look as a whole being of an organization? What is our profit sharing plan? What is all these secondary benefits that my organization does that not only wants me to work for them, mm-hmm. but if they were to win a contract, the same vehicle I'm on to continue working for them. Right. Because that's a that's a highly specialized thing. If I'm former military, I want the best. And that's where the culture really sets in. Mm-hmm. In our member journey, all of my clients have looked at this and said, this is awesome. Mm -hmm. Because so many people look at this and say, I'm only uh, attacking 50% of my population with my benefits. But what are the other 50%? How do I wrap them into my culture? And what can I offer them? And that's a big deal to them. I I was going to ask you, Dave, so how did that go into your research when you were doing the member journey? (laughs) Well, it it dovetails exactly where we're going, Mm -hmm. because a lot of the people that are coming into those positions right now, they're not necessarily the older people, they're the, they're the younger employees that are mm-hmm. coming in, and mm-hmm. they demand the personalization and the customization. And I, I mean, you're in a sector where, at, at a first glance, you'd say, okay, Matt seems to be in a niche market, big deal. They're just military contractors. But as you've gone into this conversation, it requires a very savvy HR benefit staff because it's a personal conversation you almost need to have with every employee coming in. To, to sell them on the value Correct. of them coming in because they're all coming from a unique walk oh, of totally. life. Oh, totally. And so even at a company uh, 
at a company level, I guess it's fair to say if you've met one military contractor, you've met mm-hmm. one military contractor. Correct, <laughs> correct. Because each each contractor has, while this is my niche to to serve and support our local contractors, mm-hmm. each one of them have their own niche. Right. Niche. Niche. Yeah. Niche. <laughs> so you could you could have some you could have yeah. somebody that is hey I'm going to be very technical. Or you could have another contractor that is. I am going to invent and design things for certain missions. You have others that are strictly IT, mm-hmm. uh, others that are strictly administrative, um, others, especially around here, like we have a big present with a Dayton VA. Mm-hmm. How do we support the VA? And there's certain contractors that say, I'm going to do that versus something else. And so uh, what you just said with, with that HR department, not only is it HR, they have very robust recruiting arms mm-hmm. that we support them as well with how do we message this organization to the potential contract. And that is is really unique to be able to say, hey, it's not just what we're offering as an organization, it's the entire culture of who we are, and we help them with that. Do you have an example that you can share of maybe some top benefits that do are popular and keep these top talent to stay, that they're like, Nope, they take care of me here. This is exactly what I want to keep doing. During each recruit process, uh, whether it's a what's a, a prospect of mine or a client of mine, mm-hmm. every question I get, the, one of the first questions is, how do I compare to, to my peers? Mm-hmm. It's the number one question I get because that's the number one question they get right. from potential employees to potential recruits is, I am going to do uh, the baseline uh aspects of how are your benefits, how is your pay, how is the work, how is the culture. Mm -hmm. So what we try to do is we sit there and say, what are you doing compared to everyone else? And that's where we're unique in Dayton uh, because the Wright-Pat Air Force Base is actually, you know, while there's 30,000 people that work at the base, double that, and that's the support for the base. And then Mm -hmm. you could almost, you could argue, depending on which numbers you, you could triple that Mm -hmm. and say that's the support aspect of the base. So it's largely a civilian-based base. Mm -hmm. So when you're talking person to person, that comparison of what everybody is doing, that's where where people have the most questions. What am I doing compared to my peers? Right. So are there any trends or changes in these offerings that are worth noting? that you've noticed over, over time? The, over the, I guess uh, maybe over the last few years, like is there a new direction that they're trying to stand out from the crowd? Or I have seen, the biggest thing I have seen is reduction in uh, deductibles. Mm. Is how do, how do I lower my deductible but offer that robust plan while keeping it in line? Interesting. Because that's where, um, from an engineering standpoint, the competition is so rich. The conversation is how much can I pay for? How rich can my benefits be? And how much can I pay? Mm -hmm. And it is incredibly unique to see uh, from a technical standpoint, we have technical contractors that pay 100% of everything. Wow. If we see in in generic business, typically you see uh, an employer paying uh, 80% of a single. In this space, we're seeing a lot more in the 90, 95, 98% wow. contribution towards single and funding of the HSAs or high deductible health plans. Uh, and But again, it really varies based upon what that contractor, it, who they are and what they represent and what missions they're supporting. 
because there really is a difference. Mm -hmm. okay. So let's kind of switch gears here and go in a different direction. So I know that when we work at McGon Braybender with public entities, there's a whole other layer of bureaucracy and rules that we need to follow. And I can only imagine that the red tape with working with a government agency is probably exponentially greater. Can mm -hmm. you speak to some of the some of the issues that are different that a contractor may face as opposed to a private sector? Absolutely. Let's say I go into a private sector business and I want their service. I'm going to pay them directly, mm -hmm. and they're going to take my money and use it as their gross revenue for however they want to do that. The government comes out and says, we have a need. Who is going to fill that need? So contractors come in and they start bidding on that work. Mm -hmm. So the biggest aspect of this is who is the payer of that contract, and it's the government. Anytime you deal with the government, the government needs to make sure their money is being spent appropriately, yep. fairly, and under their own regulations. So not you're, you're not dealing with just the IRS. You're dealing with the federal government to say, we have funds allocated for our services and our needs. Mm -hmm. How is that money being spent? And it is very, very much scrutinized. That is the difference. Yeah. Does that have a specific, is there a specific law or rules or... Yes, there, there's a couple. So, yeah. so part if you some of that is Service Contract Act. Um, there's the there there's other laws that you have to pay attention to. Uh, because I'm not a lawyer, I have a, a very close friend in this industry that she and I work really well together to say, That's nice. I have this question. How do I help? Yep. And it really has to do with the labor side, of which I, I try and stay far away from the labor side. Mm -hmm. I deal more on the service contract act to say how is the money being spent when it comes to the other when it comes to the labor side and fairness. Mm -hmm. That is where we have outside support, and we have our team internally that helps us out, especially with Paul and Emily. And I know you guys have had them on and talked with them, Paul, plenty. But yep. we also have outside resources in the local Dayton community to say. We're starting to err on the side of, of labor. How can you help us out? And because of those laws and making sure it's all done correctly. So here's a follow-up question then. So it's possible that a contractor could have two or three different projects running at the same time. Yes. So under those circumstances, could the employees, even though they're all a member of ABC government contractor, could their plans be administered differently or look differently based on the contract that they have? Or is that pretty uniform? So you're getting into discrimination testing and mm -hmm. discrimination law. The answer is it depends. <laughs> it really does. I, you know, some contractors have, have vehicles and contracts across every state. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, have, they have employees in 12, 14 states, depending on where they are. Um, but the, an the, the simple answer is yes, okay. they can. So let's yeah. say I have a population in Dayton, Ohio, that does R&D. I have another population in, let's say, Indiana or Cleveland that is all um, engineers or project managers. Mm -hmm. I could do something in Ohio for one group, and all of a sudden I can do something different in 
Indiana, or in Cleveland. Wow. Now, most organizations don't want to do that mm-hmm. because they want to be what we do for one, we do for all. Mm-hmm. And they, that's where all these robust contracts are coming, or the, the robust benefits are coming into play is because from a cultural standpoint, most of our contracts say, we just want to have good benefits. Mm-hmm. No matter what the what, no matter what contract we have, no, what, no matter what our employees are working on, we want them taken care of. Mm-hmm. And so that is where you can have that conversation and we do, but it always turns around and says, we just, we just want really good benefits for our people. We want to take care of them so they take care of their job and they stay on board when, when we need them to. Right. Great follow-up, Dave. I, um, I'm bringing this back to the beginning of our conversation where you talked about the importance of communicating the benefits too. Mm-hmm. So what resources do these teams have to make sure that the contractors and employees know how to understand and maximize their benefits? Like. Do you have any examples or best practices? So as we talk, communication is the number one issue of pretty much every industry known to man. Yes. Imagine trying to talk to somebody that's in a that's in a military bunker <laughs> that doesn't have access to cell phone, that yeah, doesn't have them. access to <laughs> yeah. any other email other than their government email. Right. And then all of a sudden they work an eight-hour day and then they leave. Yeah, the last thing they want to do is check their email. No. And that is where there is a massive issue based upon where their folks are. They're in all across the country, yep. but also where are they working and, and at what site? I have, I have a client that has somebody that flies over to some of our military base overseas, and all they do is check airfields. So they fly over, they do their contract work, they come back, and they're done. Yeah, I don't think I'd be checking my email <clears throat> in between flights. So. Yeah. That's actually one of the things that we talk about with Accelerate Go and mm-hmm. how, how our communication platform to, to say, how do we reach you at where, where you are, whether it's through email, whether it's through listserv, whether it's through text. That's been the biggest driver to say, how do we reach our people and how is it different? We can't do a traditional open enrollment meeting where we have 20 people or our entire organization say, hey, this is our benefits. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. So we have to really adapt to say, where are we going to reach people based upon where they are and how they retain information? Uh, and that was, uh, you know, we use Accelerate Go in our text platform with a lot of our contractors. And yep. it's not just, it's not just here's the benefit information. Mm-hmm. It's the FYI, here's the 401k. It's, a, it's the other things. That has been a massive benefit to our, to our, our people and, and, uh, we know how to communicate. That's yeah. We get creative with that. It is, it is that. a very big issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So this question goes both to Dave and Matt here. How can they effectively communicate the value of their benefit offerings with the employees or the prospective job candidates? So obviously we talked about the Accelerate Go. We have text, voicemail, email. Are there any other techniques that we can get this information across them? Maybe when they're in the job hiring process. Can I answer this first? Sure. My answer when they ask me is I have a guy that's incredible at this in my organization. His name's Dave Holman. Oh, oh that's quite the segue. <laughs> and he's willing to meet with you to say, how can I help you out? And then he brings his awesome team in Bingo. and says, "How do we? what's your issue? What do you want to communicate? And how can we do it? And that's where we say, Dave, can you help us? And he mm-hmm. says, I can. Let me bring the team in because we're all going to figure this out together. Yep. Yeah. You're my weapon. Yeah, well, thanks for that. So, <laughs> His secret <laughs> weapon. And, and, you know, where, where I always start with is 
what are you struggling with? Like everybody just wants to start, well, we just want to start communicating or engaging mm-hmm. people. And it's not that simple. It's you've got to find the entry point, especially today. We are wired differently than we were before. We want information about the things that are important to us at that split second where it's important to us. Mm -hmm. So the big thing is just making sure that the information is available to them at the moment they need them and um, communicating to them in the way they want, like you said before, the way that they want to be communicated to. And some of that is generational, but what we found more and more is more is situational. Yes. Mm-hmm. If yes. they have a simple question, then a text message or an email will work. If they are talking about a claim that they're having an issue with, or maybe they've got dual coverage mm-hmm. and they want to know which one coordinates with who and what should I expect, then they want to talk to they want to talk to somebody face to face or be able to immediately interact back and forth and that could be chat that that could be chatting with um someone online but um what is most important is just figuring out where the problem areas are and Mm -hmm. what you want to talk about Mm -hmm. i i would say this that i think it's been my experience when i've worked with military contractors is the benefits are incredibly robust oh yeah and i look at open enrollment presentations and i look at employee communication and I see nowhere in there where they're touting the fact that they're paying a much higher percentage of the premium than private sector, that mm-hmm. it's a richer benefit. Like yeah. you said, it's how many private companies have deductibles that decrease? Yeah, it's crazy. Of, and instead of benefits being reduced. So they don't do an effective job patting themselves on the back mm-hmm. and being a cheerleader to have helping people understand because otherwise that employee looks at year over year and maybe it's a five percent increase correct but what they didn't talk about is the employer it was actually a 12 percent increase and the employer ate the lion's share of that exactly um and and the covered portion is actually 85 percent of the medical premium Mm -hmm. where is that and so i think what we need to do a better job of is selling the value of the benefits. The other thing is the administration. When you run into a problem, when you are dealing with multiple plans, government, private sector, and they coordinate with each other, it it's not as simple. It's oftentimes not a simple call to our advocate team and mm-hmm. you've got an answer immediately. Yep. Correct. It's paperwork going back and forth. It's getting approval and sign off. Yep. So it can be a labor intensive prod project that is undertaken and so it's very important that they understand and they're kept in the loop the whole way correct because we live in a world where we demand immediate feedback and resolutions yep. and if we don't get it that's unacceptable <laughs> <laughs> and our hr teams hear the immediate feedback absolutely <laughs> and their big issue and their their ask of us is just help me mm-hmm. what can we do it's it can't be open enrollment so what, and we do more and more of that secondary communication is the first, it starts when they get hired, then there's got to be something in the middle and there's got to be something during open enrollment and there, but there's a constant resale of your organization to your employees that you have to have that. And our contractors do a really good job of saying, what are we doing? How are we doing it? But how does it help you? Mm-hmm. And then if you need something 
depending on where you are on your in your journey of I don't need this yet, but then all of a sudden, and a medical issue comes up, or you get a part of your life that you do need medical benefits, there's not as much education that happens. It's more of a, now where's the service that you, I need to be reminded of? Exactly. And that's where I think our HR departments have done a, a they, they, they really are the front of that, mm-hmm. but then off, asking and offering tools to them is what really supports them. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where we enjoy that part is to say, all right, now we're dealing with this member. How can we help? But how can we take this off your plate? So it seems like consultants always want to, uh, always kind of want to take a niche market and and really sell them on why they specialize in that area. They understand the nuances, but I can tell you that truly, based on this conversation, um, if if there are employers out there, government contractors looking to work with a broker or. Um, they're out there shopping is I would say a very important question to ask is what other contractors do you work with and and talk about your experiences and ideas that you brought to them how your strategy is different than Mm -hmm. private sector Mm -hmm. because it is a different animal from everything you've said so basically call Matt McAlpin if you have any questions (laughs) right (laughs) my my job is to help if I can support Anybody in the military, anybody that supports our military, I'll support anybody. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to what Dayton, Ohio represents and who we serve, look around your own neighborhoods. I can almost guarantee you have somebody that's working close by the military, supporting the military, or in the military. Mm -hmm. In Dayton, Ohio, you have neighbors that are right there. Mm -hmm. And so we look at this as an opportunity to just say, hey, how can we serve you and then serve your employees? And then in turn we serve our military and serve the right way. It's it's a very unique thing just to say we're, we're here to help. Absolutely. Well, I think that was the perfect way to end this podcast. So Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate being on. All of your wisdom and your knowledge. <laughs> and I know it's helpful to our listeners. Dave, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And any of our listeners, if you have any questions or you want more discussion on this, you can reach out to Matt or you can email me at Kenzie at healthierbirthdays.com and I will direct your questions to Matt. <laughs> yeah. And I'm Dave at healthierbirthdays.com. Yep. So thank you for joining us and we will see you next time on Side Effects.